Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and right now I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when the Michael Jackson and Conrad Murray of the Terrace get together. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, you are in for a big pot of lower league favoured broth. We are going to be focusing on three games, one from the Championship, another from League One, and a final, who's who? Who's Conrad Murray? Who's Michael Jackson? <laughs> and a final fixture from the Scottish Cup second round that caught our eye, as well as some of the big news stories from the SPFL. But before we get going, Sean, how's it hanging? Uh, very well, thank you. What about yourself? Yeah, fine. Fine. Yeah. 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 That's, the, that's the noise that I made. For, for people unfamiliar with the yeah noise, that's a noise I made on a date with a girl who later in the evening asked me if I was on the spectrum. There's a bit more of a story to it than that, but uh, yes, she uh, asked me if I was on the the spectrum because I kept going yeah like that. Was the that that how did the date go other than that? Up until that point, it was largely plain sailing. If you can imagine the date, it went Titanic. It was it was a great laugh. But then when I started going yeah, that's the equivalent of hitting the iceberg. And then uh, her asking if I was on the spectrum, that's the equivalent of Leonardo DiCaprio uh, freezing to death. <laughs> so. I, I, I think we didn't see it again. Uh, no, we didn't see each other again. So Zoe, uh, I, I wish you well. That was probably two years ago. Hope she's uh, hope she's still kicking the ball. Dude, when you go on dates, do you still go, yeah? No, goodness that, me, no. Is that, is that feedback that you've taken on board and you've you've evolved? I, I'd, I'd like to think so. I uh, the, the I think the last person I was out with, you perhaps need to, to ask them. I, I should probably come back with a feedback form at the end. WhatsApp them at the end of every date and say, listen, can you just very quickly fill this in? 360 degree feedback Exactly And uh, would I tell them honestly What I thought Absolutely not But I would really welcome it For me uh, Just so I can kick on With uh, perhaps someone else And uh, But nevertheless We're not here <laughs> To to talk about my failures As a as a man And a son In some ways To my father Who's desperate for another grandkid um, so I told him Sandy you're barking up the wrong tree Not going to happen Not going to happen <laughs> Do you want to start by talking about the football instead? Well, we wouldn't be starting. Uh, we should start talking about football, probably. 
You know what? See, in future, Sean, next time you and I do one of these podcasts, I am not going to ask you how you're doing. And if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm just I'm just going to blankly refuse you. You say <laughs> you you know you know fine well that won't happen. That's it. So hello, welcome podcast. I'm Craig. This is Sean, and we're going to start by talking about Montrose versus Falkirk. There you go, straight think, into it. So you I, I cut think, away I the think, first five minutes. I, I think people like these uh, back and forth and listening to your uh, travails. It's not really travails, isn't it? It's like uh, the, the, the older I get, the more I begin to feel like Mr. Trebus. But instead of physical uh, rubbish, it's just mental rubbish. It just And it feels like I'm just building up a wall of garbage. It's just going to one day cave in on itself. That didn't happen to him, though. The council rehoused them. They, they basically took over his home and rehoused them, didn't they? They, they, put, him into a, they put him into a home. Yeah, I mean that was that was unlivable, wasn't it? I'm sure he had like created a well, pathway through well, all the rubbish to get to a couch. No, there was. I mean, literally, there was. Uh, I mean, he had like newspapers. Mm-hmm. He basically put a almost like a tunnel through the newspapers to get from like his living room to his like his kitchen and his and his hall. I mean, mm-hmm. you're saying it was unlivable. However, when he was in that house, he was alive. And then they moved him to a home and he died. <laughs> so, it actually appeared that his home was was quite livable. Yeah, who'd have thought it? That's it. You need the newspapers to sustain him. You take away his newspapers, he um, he, he lacks his sustenance to, to live through life. Had they left Mr. Trebus alone with his newspapers, he'd have lived at the age of 207. <laughs> Unheard of uh, in, in the modern day. But however, take away his newspapers and he, he, he died uh, very soon. I like the fact you're saying living until 207 is unheard of in the modern day, as if it was quite... If it was quite regular in the 1700s. Oh, yeah, the days of cholera and the Black Death. I thought we're regularly uh, living through about... Uh, uh, how many kings have you lived through? Uh, 18. It's all fine. Uh, do you want to talk about the football? I, we, I, mean, I feel like doing that, that's, uh, that's the thing we do on... Uh, I'm sure it's open goal, Simon Ferry sort of slaps his hands right back to the football. That's, we, we haven't even got to the football in the first instance. But we will. We will We will start with the football. And and just like, before we do start with the football, sorry, just to bring it back a wee step, we've talking about 360-degree feedback from the listeners. If you want Sean and I to, to not talk about uh, what's going on uh, in our private lives, let us know. Because, I mean, fundamentally, this show is for you. It's not for us, it's for you. If you're not interested, let us know in the, the Discord. I don't use it myself. I'm sure it's a good laugh. Or just on Twitter, because that's where Sean and I spend most of our time. Yeah, no, just, uh, just, just DM me. Or, uh, or, or get up in my interactions or whatever it's called, I don't know. Yeah, don't, don't leave. That's a bit, that's a bit personal. Uh, piling into someone's DMs just to say, uh, don't talk about your private life. I uh, I haven't had anybody piling into my DMs since uh, I said Dundee might get relegated. Did uh, you get was... people messaging you about that? Oh, aye. I had a, a, quite a few Dundee fans telling me I was a, a, a prize bellend. <laughs> Who had the last laugh, Sean? Well, they did get relegated. I was just, uh, I was just 12 aye. months late. Well, exactly. That's it. You played the long game. Twelve months early, I should say. That's uh, that, that shows a great degree of foresight that those Dundonians could never uh, begin to wrap their heads around. So fair play <laughs> to you. Don't let them put you off guessing things and predicting things. To be fair, you actually said in the same sentence they could be easily well be as promoted as relegated. Yes, but they, they didn't include that in the clip. Ah, so so you tell me that Charlie Adam doctored that clip. <laughs> I uh I'll, I'll keep my powder dry about Charlie Adam. Yes, I am. He's a, a, a talented football player, and we wish him well in his retirement. I hope you outlast Mr. Trebus with uh, with his. I uh, I don't. <laughs> now we will start in the championship, and we will start by jumping back to Tuesday night's match at Somerset Park between Air United and Partick Thistle. By all accounts, this was a superlative game of football between two sides scrapping for the title, and the honest men prevailed four two. 
Both sides traded goals until Josh Mullen edged air ahead 10 minutes into the first half. And then Mark McKenzie made sure of the three points by netting his side's fourth in injury time. The result takes Air United to the top of the table, just a point ahead of Thistle. But Thistle have lost their last three matches, conceding four goals in each. Um, did you actually see highlights for this one? I, I watched the whole game. I watched it on Tuesday night. You watched it, it Tuesday watched, night? Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched a stream of it. It was, uh, it was a strange game. A, a, a strange, it was a strange game in terms of how it what, unfolded. What I'll say, strange... Sean, sorry to interrupt there. Like, I couldn't find match highlights of this. All the, they're obviously behind the paywall. I'm not prepared to give Partick Thistle like five ninety nine for a month. However, as someone filmed it on their mobile phone and edited the best bits up onto YouTube. So, Seria Wiseman, thank you. So, I don't really have a concept of how how the game were played. It looked like it was uh, directed by the pe- the team who brought you the Blair Witch Project and Threads <laughs> and Goal. If you imagine the three people in, involved with those very disparate productions coming together to make uh, soccer highlights, that's exactly what it was like. So, Sean, I'm just going to fire you questions then about this game. You were you were saying, what, what do you make of the, the, the game as a whole? Uh, an odd game with some odd goals. So, in terms of the game as a whole, first 20 minutes, the first half was a better half by a mile. Uh, first 20 minutes was very much kind of to and fro, nobody on top. Uh and one all was a, a kind of reasonable scoreline after those first 20 minutes. I mean, uh, to, to kind of sum up the first goal, the, the first goal, you could almost describe the first four goals the same way. Yeah, in I terms just saw of, really scrappy cutbacks and then the ball sort of almost like apologetically bundling into the net. But good delivery, but then a kind of scrappy bundling into the, into the back of the net. So like a, a good ball in from, from Logan Chalmers. Uh, sorry, I, I, uh, an assist, I, a good ball in from Brad Young and Logan Chalmers got the, uh, applied the finish. But, I mean, it looked like it could even have been an own goal. I mean, all the first four goals could almost could almost have been an own goal, albeit it might have been the, the kind of view I had on on, uh, on, on Pixel up. That put, uh, that put United 1-0 up. Uh, Jack McMillan had a, a really good ball in for Lee Hodgson, who started in the midfield for Patrick Thistle. Again, I kind of... Good ball in, but then I kind of scrappy finished it. I'm not entirely sure the goal should have been credited to him. Like it might have come off like two air defenders who were desperately trying to clear it off the line. Uh, I mean, the third goal was the one. I mean, that was the that Darren was Brownlee's the, goal. Oh, absolutely brilliant! I and think I mean, that's the that's most emphatic goal I've seen all season. And and you know, if, if you didn't know any better, you would think bloody hell, he's done well to finish that. But it turns <laughs> out it was an own goal. It's like Again, a bullet header bro- from a bullet head. Another brilliant delivery for Logan Chalmers. I don't really know. I mean, presumably he was trying to put it by for a corner. I think so, yeah. But just it was a strange way to attack it, like a a flying, diving header and kind of bulleted uh, into the top corner. So that kind of ended the scoring in the first half, but it was a weird first half in that. First 20 minutes, very even. Uh, End to end, nobody really on top in that period. I would say from the 20th minute until halftime, Patrick Thistle were the better team. And if anybody was going to go in at the interval on top, it would have been Thistle. Mm-hmm. And if I'd made for Brownlee, uh, per- perhaps it would have been. They then got an equaliser, I mean, quite uh, like five minutes in the second half. Anthony Dow's done pretty well. Brian Graham, uh, Brian Graham uh, done well to, to, to finish it. And at that point, I thought, right, Thistle, Thistle are going to take a grip of this game now and they'll probably end up winning this game. But then again, like within a couple of minutes, pretty good play for Andy Murdoch. And then the, the first 
true finish of the game, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, from from Josh Mullen. Really good finish, made it made it three two. And then from that point, I, I still thought anything could happen here. This could end up four four. And if Thistle had just continued to play how they how they had been playing, perhaps perhaps that might have been the case. But rather than play through midfield, because that they had looked a better in, in the middle of the park, I thought Bannigan had been playing quite well. Hodgson, who doesn't always play midfield, had been playing pretty well. Kel Turner was having a pretty good game. But then from that point onwards, they started to they started to go long. Mm-hmm. Whether it was panic, whether it was that's what Ian McCall told them to do, I'm not entirely sure. But that that very much played in the air, United's hands, and then Mark McKenzie scored the winner. Uh, and, and injury time to, to make it 4-2 but I would say pulling the balance of playing the second half here United probably deserved that uh, mm-hmm. an odd game with some odd goals but I would say here probably deserved it Okay, round two Name something that's not boring a Laundry? Ooh, a book club Computer solitaire Huh? Ah, oh, sorry We were looking for Chumba Casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is anyone that aired that, that stood out for you? Anyone that you were particularly impressed with in the game? Uh, I really like Logan Chamels. Mm. I just think that was, a, that was a really good sign. Again, I was kind of hoping that, that Wraith would have managed to bring him in. Uh, not to be uh, I, I think he will be uh, I think he will have a, a really decent season for them uh, I, I really like him he, he was good for uh, Inverness uh, last season I thought Brad Young like impressed uh, kind of up front you could say that I, I don't know if Partick had well, of course they had specifically been uh, told to to give Dipowak and Yemi a, like, to close him down so to a degree, they they kind of done what was intended. Like it was okay, but it was quiet by his standards. But I think they maybe focused so much on him that allowed everybody else in the team a wee bit more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 guys like Dempsey and Mullen. Uh, I, I thought Jordan Houston on uh, on the right done pretty well getting up and down. Who has been a wee bit maligned by Air fans in the past. I I mean again I'm not entirely sure that Air have the, the the kind of minerals to to go the season and win the league. However, I would say uh, that Partick Thistle, based on this, have and I've always talked about the fact that Partick Thistle have strength and depth. Mm-hmm. Based on this, I'm not entirely sure that's the case. They're, they're, they're desperately missing the guys at the back and. It shows based on the last three performances. I, I definitely I mean to to lose four one to Aberdeen isn't necessarily a, a bat in a league cup tie. That's that, that's part of the course of a championship side against a, a, a top end Premiership side. But to go to Queens Park and get beaten four 0 and then to lose to United four two, that's that that's particularly uh, worrying. In fact, there was a podcast that Fowler recorded with James Kearney, uh, who writes for the Herald and Evening Times for the Terrace Extra. The podcast, I've got it up uh, in front of me here. The podcast is called What's Going Well for Partick Thistle on the Park? Brackets, despite resentment of it. Um, since that podcast, <laughs> they've conceded eight goals, lost to Queen's Park and and, and lost to Air United. I, I watched Ian McCall's post-match interview with this on the on, on YouTube. It was, it was very brief. It was, it was less than 60 seconds, but he said it was it was bad luck in, in, in both boxes. Like they had a, a chance, Sean McGinty had a header, cleared off the, or <clears throat> Sean McGinty cleared the header off the line. The the goals that they did concede, Mullins and Mark McKenzie aside, the first two were 
you, you know the sort of like nine times out of ten, Dan Brownlee's putting that past the post out for a corner run and thumping it past his goalkeeper. And it just felt like for, for that match, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Is that an excuse or, or is there a deeper malaise to concede 12 goals in three games? I, I think they miss Kevin Holt. I think he's a, a, a big miss. Uh, I think he's potentially underrated uh, as, as a defender. And I, I think players like, so, so like Tommy Akinola, who started last season very, very well and looked like a very good centre-half. I remember he made a mistake was it in the Scottish Cup against Dun United? Have I just made that up? I remember watching know. highlights. I'm sure it was on a Saturday night, so presumably it was a Scottish Cup game. And he had a wee bit of a disaster against them. But it's kind of felt like he's never really recovered from that. Certainly he, he certainly doesn't look the player that he looked at the start of last season. Dan Brownlee is, is probably competent at this level. But, but, but not necessarily somebody you would want to be playing in the middle of your defence if, if you're going for the title. Mm-hmm. And I know Kevin Holt might even have his limitations, but he might be the best of the bunch. So they really missed him. Uh, I, I still think going forward, they are a team who could could who could hurt opponents. But at this moment of time, they, they appear to be lacking at the back. And I, I know what he's saying about, like what McCall said very much sounds like that kind of thing, like, oh, it was individual mistakes. But individual mistakes are caused by players who are slightly inferior. And I suppose the, the, the start in 11, certainly defensively, that Patrick Thistle had on, on Tuesday night was inferior to what they would they would generally play week in, week out. And, and, and until they could get those players back, like, like Scott Tiffany was missing as well. Mm-hmm. Who, who, there's a huge, a huge loss to them. Uh, and until they can get those players back, then they, they might need to, to try and dig some, result, dig some results out. Uh, they've got Wraith on Saturday mm. at, at Starts Park. You going to it? Uh, yes. I, I mean, you know, some Wraith fans, Wraith fans will really give a lift or get a lift. I should, I should say, from the fact that Lewis Vaughan is apparently oh, that's brilliant news. Going to be involved he's back, he's back uh, in, uh, this involved. weekend. I mean, it, let's face it, he won't start. He, he might go off the bench at some point. Uh, but, but that will certainly g up the the, the home fans. I, I, I thought Partick could have won the league. I'm, I'm now, I'm now looking at them and saying, I'm not entirely sure. Listen, the championship. The championship is so, uh, and and things change from from week to week to week. I've I've fancied Queens Park to make the playoffs or, or get promoted. I've fancied the United. I've fancied Partick Thistle. You know, Inverness are going to be there or thereabouts. Dundee, you've no idea. It, it's just a really weird league. I mean, there's only five points separating Air United in first place from Wraith Rovers in seventh. Exactly. It's it, it, to try and make a prediction is is impossible. And you can watch a game on, like you can watch. You watch Queen's Park be dismantled one week and then mm-hmm. see them hammer Patrick Thistle. Like you can see Queen's Park being annihilated by United one week. And you think, right, well, no chance Queen's Park can finish top four. And then two weeks later they're they're scoring four at Patrick Thistle and annihilating them and think, oh well, maybe they will. Like that's it's a, a we've we've spoken about League One in the past about how open it could be it would appear that the, the championship is the same this season. I, I think so. It's, it's, we should be, and I say should, like I'm putting italics over the word should, but you should be in a position where you can look at the, the various teams. You know, we're, we're, we're just into the second quarter of the season and this is the stage where paradigms and patterns begin to emerge and you can look at teams' forms and I think that certainly in the in the championship, the, the teams that are expected to challenge for the title 
as you say, very, very difficult to come to any conclusions already. I think you can you can go to the bottom and you look at our bros really poor start to the season. You look how poorly the, the Aki's have, have fared so far and you kind of think, yeah, them, Cove Rangers, the, the, the three of them are likely to be in the mix at the bottom. But at the top, like, I mean, there, there we go. There's, there's seven, uh, seven places. There are seven teams good vying for four places and won't five points between them. I, that, is that a good thing that, that, that is competitive? What would you rather have, a competitive division or like a quality division? Uh, does, it, does it have to be one or the other? Yes, it does, I'm afraid. Sorry. Uh, right, well, then I'd rather have competitiveness. Well, sir, do I have a division for you? It's called the Scottish <laughs> Championship. Can we, come, can we draw any conclusions then from, from A United? They've kind of been in, in, in funny form recently across the divisions. You know, they've, they've, when, when United lose this season, certainly in terms of scorelines, it's always just by the odd goal. Uh, and, and when they win, it's fairly emphatic. You know, they've, they've beaten Queen's Park 5-0, Partick Thistle 4-2, you know, two of the, the sides expected to do well this season. Lost 2-1, uh, narrowly at Dundee, but drew two each with, with Cove Rangers, which was a, a bit of a surprise for a lot of people. Can we come to any conclusions about Air United at the moment? Are, you, are, are they just being branched in the good one week, bad the next, along with a lot of other sides? I'm, I'm not sure about them being good one week and, and bad the next. I, I, think they have a, I think they have a solid team. I think they have the, the depth of... A Partick Thistle. Of a Patrick Thistle, do I think they're <laughs> the depth of uh, Dundee? No, I don't. But do I think they have a team who, by and large, week in, week out, will probably give six, seven, and then players like Deepwak and Yemi can maybe give you a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately might make the difference. Or like Logan Chalmers might chip in with a couple of assists every week. Like that's, like that's, there's a lot to be said for that. I, I kind of, I kind of, like Charlie Albinson has been, a goalkeeper who's been on like the periphery of air, he's come in and, and just took his chance, took his opportunity. Mm-hmm. Looks looks like a decent goalkeeper. Uh, Frankie Masonda is a good centre half. Yeah, Paddy Redding, Jordan Houston, if they keep up this form, that's a couple of decent fullbacks. Uh, Andy Murdoch kind of breaking things up in the middle of the park. I can hear me up front. Like Brad Young looked good up front on like during the week. That's just that's just like a, a decent team. Is a decent team good enough to win the league? I, I'm, I'm not sure. But I bet as you'd fancy though that the, the team who does win the championship would probably be one of the poorest sides to go into the premiership. Obviously, that there would be trading over the summer and so on, teams would be turned over. But if these teams were to go into the top flight, they would be like miles off it, I imagine. I mean, to be fair, it feels like we say this every year, like it feels like every season we say this is a terrible championship. Uh, so I'm not saying you're wrong, but it feels like we say this every year. But what I would say is that air. So like you've had teams in the past too. So so like Kilmarnock, like Kilmarnock were the the, the big team in very commas, but not even in very commas in the championship last year. They they didn't necessarily spend their way out of it, but they had a bigger budget than everybody else. Mm. And although they haven't necessarily changed things around in the summer, they will eventually be able to do that. Air or Inverness or. Partick Thistle, will they be able to necessarily augment their squad if they go up? Mm, like you'd be surprised. I, I, you're right. I, I do think whoever goes up this season might toil to a degree, and I'd be, I might be a wee bit surprised if the team that finishes and if anybody for the playoffs gets promoted. Mm. The, the, the team that finishes eleventh in the Premiership would need to be particularly poor to get relegated. I think. 
Uh, still a long way away from that, uh, but but nevertheless, Air United at the weekend, they are away at our broth, our broth, poor start to the season, but they did win their second game of the, the season by beating Hamilton Ackies in a basement battle, six-pointer. What's your thoughts on this one? Uh, broth looked pretty good. Might have been their best performance of the season. Uh, could have won by more. I would still expect Air United to, to take all three points. That's fair enough. Shall we drop into League One? Let's. We're going to Lynx Park where Montrose beat Dunfermline Athletic 2-0 and two second half goals from Matthew Wright secured the victory for Stuart Petrie's boys. That's the most third win in four matches. They've now moved into third place. And even although it was their first defeat of the season, Dunfermline Athletic are still top of the table, even though the newly named Edinburgh are just a point behind them. Uh, This match featured one of the best goals I've seen so far this season. That was amazing. But I've, I've really, really, really enjoyed that. And I know it's, I'm clearly going to enjoy goals uh, scored against Dunfermline, but regardless, if it was scored against anybody, I, I just really enjoyed it. There must have been maybe a dozen players involved. Yeah, five or six there players was, involved. But there was, and as much as there was six players involved, between Steve's playing the ball down the left and it eventually entering the net, there might only have been maybe eight touches. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a, an, an exquisite goal. Uh, and a, a lot to admire. I, but my favourite bit in it is, is the the rainbow flick, the sort of the little pirouette from Adam McKinnon that plays it into the path. I think it might be in the Craig Johnson's path, mm-hmm. but when he plays the ball into to Johnson, that that right continues his run on the left, and then all of a sudden, when Gardine slips, when Gardine collects the ball just in the edge of the box. You see Wright's continues on completely bamboozled the Dunfermline defence as a touch and a really composed finish underneath uh, a trouser-wearing Dennis Mehmet. I like, uh, who was the, actually it's, it's not quite like that. Who was the who was the Hungarian goalkeeper that used to wear like... Uh, Gabor Kirali. I like uh, like jamming bottoms. Yes, I. Not I, saw, I was watching the highlights and midway through the first half when Mehmet came charging out his goal... I just thought that, that goalkeepers, one, they can't get away with it at the best of times, but two, you're wearing joggy bottoms. It makes it look worse somehow. You know, like any indiscretion, like, like, will make it look worse if, you, if you're wearing, uh, like, long-sleeved, well, long-legged trousers. I, you know, so, so, trousers. I, so, so, so when I played in goals, I used to wear long, long-legged uh, goalkeeper bottoms. Really? Uh-huh. Oh dear! I'm just imagining the ball. You go down for a daisy cutter shot, and it's passing entirely <laughs> through your body. And yes, you that also there. happened. You just but lie that, there in the turf. But, but that wasn't anything to do with the length of my goalkeeper bottoms. That was just my in general ineptitude. No, it just it makes me look more pathetic. That's that. It just makes it you was, look more but, pathetic. But, but Mehmet wasn't at fault for any goals. I know, but just the fact that he was wearing trousers made me gave a real uh, air of tragedy to the whole thing. It was like watching <laughs> King Lear. <laughs> if King Lear was a, a, a sort of like a League One goalkeeper, but yeah, I mean the 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 second goal was was very well worked as well, and to me it, it just showed that that Montrose just looked a wee bit more aggressive and and than than um than Dunfermline. I watched the Dunfermline Athletic and unfortunately it didn't come with uh, with commentary. And there are two teams. I'm quite familiar with the Montrose team, not as familiar with the Dunfermline team. So forgive me, I found that a wee bit difficult to find out who was doing what. But the way that Wright goes up for the ball, I think it's Aaron Comrie that, that he that he challenges for, for a second ball. And he just like nudges him out of the way and cuts him from a very good finish, fires it under Mehmet's legs, <clears> makes <throat> Mehmet look terrible because he's wearing trousers. Like I say, <laughs> going back to the point I'm making earlier. I just thought it was a good finish. It was a good finish. But I think that was something that I noticed, particularly in the early stages of the matches. When I saw the score coming, 
when Montrose had won this game 2-0, I thought that they will push Dunfermline around a wee bit here. They will get to the, the, the first balls and they'll get to a lot of the second balls. And, and judging by what we saw there from the opening of the play and the two goals, that, that seems to be what happened. I, I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, clearly, uh, bringing on right was the, the kind of decisive substitution in, in this game. But I, I would say overall, it looks quite an even game. I mean, I, I think uh, I think Sinclair and the the Montrose goal, a couple of good saves, good, had a pretty good game. Uh, I I wasn't sure what to what to make of Montrose this season. Like I know in, in previous years we've talked about the fact that they've they've lacked a goalkeeper, they've lacked a forward, and in theory they have that now. I mean, I'm not entirely sure about McAllister whether I don't know how bad his injury is. Uh, yeah, they, they, I think they had, uh, they're missing some key players going into the game. Missing, I saw, I saw a list Webster, of players. McAllister was Webster, one They were missing yeah. uh, Terry Masson. They were missing Warren McAllister. Mark Watley was missing. And, and when you think about that, perhaps this season more than any other, Montrose might have a wee bit of strength and depth. So as much as I maybe doubted them at the start of the season, and, and to be fair, that's because I, I didn't know a lot about the loan sign is like, mm-hmm. like Adam McKinnon from Ross County, who had a move just on the kind of right flank. So as much as he had a, a kind of pirouette that was involved in the, the first goal, he also had a, a, a brilliant move, a, a kind of shimmy uh, on the, the kind of right-hand side in the first half. It was, it, it looks like one of those players where, is he somebody who just looks good on highlights and you can put together a really good highlight wheel or does he have a, a, a final end product as well? Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure yet. I think there's a couple of goals to his name this season, which is which which bodes well. But I haven't quite made up my mind yet. Bear in mind, I'm, I'm generally watching Montrose on on highlights. And uh, and and Matthew Wright, he came off the bench and, and scored a couple of goals. So I didn't really know these players at the start of the season. But now that we're starting to see them, now that we're starting to get to know them, maybe they, maybe this is their best opportunity to, to to get promoted. They've always been there or thereabouts and as much as I doubted them this season m- maybe this is their good chance to get promoted. Albeit I would expect it to be by the playoffs. Yeah, I I, I, I still think, I, I've i said for a number of weeks now, I still expect Falkirk to win the division. I know that they came a cropper against Kelty Hearts at the at the weekend. They were sort of like spooked very early doors by two Two really well taken goals from Alfie Aguiman, and that that sort of set the tone for the for, for the match. But I still fancy them to win. When Falkirk are playing well, I think they're one of the best teams. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Not just in the Laurels, you're one of the bit most attractive sides in the country to to watch. I think particularly the SPFL Trust Trophy performance against Partick Thistle. And going by the highlights, they were excellent in that. And the reports of I haven't spoken to a couple of associates who were at the game. Like Falkirk were excellent in those games. And they're a difficult team to try and work out, though, because every time you expect Falkirk to turn a corner and put together those like four or five wins on the bounce that will really see them motor up the table and pull away from that chasing pack, they don't do that. They, they, well, they, well, they do. They turn another corner and they're back to really well. <laughs> but it's like the, the inability to beat teams like Montrose and to 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 um, to beat Kelty Hart. So they've, 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 they've lost on both occasions to Kelty. They, they, yep. they played them this season. Uh, and, and Dunfermline, I mean, I, again, only by, by highlights, but I, I don't think they were particularly good in, in this game. And having seen them once, albeit I wasn't paying too much attention, their match against FC Edinburgh, where they won 1-0, courtesy of a Liam Fontaine on goal right at the end of the game. That really, really boring. I think that's from what I've read in Pine Bovril, 
if you're going to use that as a barometer, Dunfermline are not a particularly nice side to watch. They're effective, but when that f- sort of football doesn't work, they don't necessarily have a plan B under James McPake. No, and I, I suppose that that might go one of two ways. Like, like they're not playing particularly well, but they're grinding out results. I'm, I mean, yes, they. I, I don't think there's a, a single Dunfermline fan that is entirely enamoured at their style of play this season. However, they're still a point clear. If they're a point clear at the end of the season. And that's fine. a first defeat. You know, that, that's yeah, final that's, that's a first I mean, defeat. We're in the second quarter of the season. That's the first time they've lost. It, it does feel like this has been coming. And, and that they haven't been playing particularly well. But they're still keeping their kind of noses above water. I, Dunfermline the, the seem like a side that is kind of half finished. Or a squad that's half finished. And, and I, I'm not entirely sure. Like they lack, they lack pace. They lack a mm. uh, goal scorer. They probably lack wingers. Like, and that's and ultimately that's because they're only allowed to bring in a, a kind of handful of players uh, over the summer. Will that be enough to get them over the line? Can they bring other players in in January? Do they need to bring in other players in in January? I'm not entirely sure because, bear in mind, in the summer we th- we thought Airdrie might challenge. They won't. Kelty might challenge. They won't. Falkirk are still having the same hiccups, albeit they're, they're playing good football and, and and can dominate teams and can blow teams away. They're still having the same hiccups that they've had for the last three or four seasons. So mm. maybe Dunfermline just need to be the steady eddies and that'll get them over the line. It, it could do. It could do. I've just I've not been, like I say, I haven't seen all that that much. Then, but what I did see that the one game, you were there with me, the, the game against oh, FC Edinburgh. It was I mean, dreadful. Really bad. I know that you're kind of, that we were there in hospitality for, for those for those wondering what Sean and I were doing at Dunfermline, we're hospitality, so we weren't and, and our box was fairly quite far along in terms and the of the world's, world's, and, and the world's most steamed up box. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know what was about I don't know what was about 13 people's breath, but we really had to uh, clean those windows. Yeah, we did. In fact, I spent half the time at like uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park there just rubbing the thing. <laughs> Joel Sked would find that hilarious. He loved Jurassic Park. He knows the exact scene I'm talking about. But that match that it was just it was a it was a brutal, brutal game of football. And it was a, not what I was expecting. I thought that the, the two teams going going at the top of the table at the time, Dunfermline and Edinburgh, still still still, which is still the case. I was expecting a wee bit more from that. But this is a young quite a young side, this Dunfermline team, and I don't know if it's a it was a nervy performance or whatever, but that was some of the matches that would just say filed away and having visited East End Park this season. That's probably the, the, the <laughs> kindest thing that I can say about that. Had they had the vegetarian option for hospitality because the main course was gammon steak and I can't eat gammon. Um, it makes me uh, gag. I, uh, I'm not a huge gammon steak fan. I, I did have it. I, I think what the most disappointing aspect of it was, uh, other than... Other than certain other things that were being said while I was while I was eating well, like what was the fact that the, the gammon steak had the pineapple on it but there was loads of gravy all over the pineapple yeah you want to keep those two things separate don't you I am I am I'm not sure about that Aye, um, but but nevertheless, is there, are there any uh, fact? We'll, we'll look at the the, the teams that, who they're facing next. Montrose have got a very favourable fixture. They're they're coming up against their Drionians. We spoke about Montrose's positive form after beating Dunfermline. Airdrie have been dreadful, and it's a sort of, it's, a, it's a dreadfulness that's, that's I've only it's only really just crept up in me. I knew they had lost their last uh, couple of matches, but having looked at soccer base to see their form, one point from the last six matches, and in a lot of those matches as well, Sean, they've been. They've been obliterated. Ah, 
Uh, they're they're in free fall. And uh, it was interesting when they when they appointed jeez, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Reese McCabe. When they appointed Reese McCabe, they said that they would give him a, a support network in the summer. Now perhaps they have. Uh if they haven't, then it kind of feels like they, they maybe need to. Because it feels like he's it feels like he's struggling at the moment. I know he he said after that massive defeat to, to Ember at home when they went down to ten men, they went very gung ho. He said that that's that was his essentially his philosophy and how he would play, uh, and he wouldn't necessarily change that. There maybe needs to be a wee bit more pragmatic at times. They've they have a very shallow squad, and it, it feels like it's exposed at the moment. Yeah, I think though after the Montrose game, they do have two very favourable fixtures against Clyde and Peterhead before taking on a resurgent Kelty Hart. So you would imagine from the next three games, not sure how well they'll fare against Montrose, but you'd imagine seven points from those those three games. Uh, I, I I think from what I've seen of Verdi this season, they they won't trouble the top four, but they will never be so poor that they will they will kind of. Uh, end up being a relegation tussle. They, they no, will I end up finishing something like sixth or seventh. I think there's only two te- the two teams at the bottom of League One have got those positions stitched up. But Dunfermline Athletic, they're playing Kelty Hearts. Kelty have won five of the last seven games. Games taking place East End Park. Sean, what's your thoughts on that one? I I think Kelty will make it very difficult for them. I think that I've been quite impressed with the signers recently. I, I think. I think Jason Thompson has been a good signing uh, at, at right back. I think uh, I think Nicky Lowe mm-hmm. like will add something to the midfield, and and certainly they've they've picked up in recent weeks. Uh, actually, sorry to interrupt. There's actually a very good podcast I listened to earlier today when I was lifting weights in the gym to uh, work on my physique. Craig Cairns and Craig Fowler recorded a podcast. I think it was Craig Cairns' first podcast in a while. And Fowler just asked him questions about how Kelty Hearts are, are getting on. Obviously, Craig Cairns is now working for the Courier and yep. that's part of his beat the teams in five so it was good to to hear from him and good to get his thoughts on them so that's perhaps worth listening to on the the Patreon if you if you if you do subscribe to it but I I, I agree with you I thought that, that Kelty at the beginning of the season the, the, the squad looked quite short in numbers it has been beefed up since and I think that they've got quite a, a deep squad now and that a deeper squad should I say and that's certainly been reflected by recent results, most notably beating Falkirk three two. I was uh, I was starting to think they might have been in the, the relegation equation, like and certainly the the summer wasn't wasn't the summer that you would expect from Kelty Hearts. They they sell a number of uh, conservatories every single year, and you that's expect them to, to to spend that budget on uh, on players, and it, and it never happened. And bear in mind, they were stepping up to the highest level they've ever been. And I'm not saying they necessarily had to bring in six first-team players, for example. But that squad, I mean, we spoke to Kevin Thompson on the show and, and we said to this him... This is a view from the terrace that on, RTS, on nomin- RTS Scotland nominated for Best Sports Programme. That's uh, it, exactly. That, Thank that you. Sean's referring to. And, you Sunday. And, <laughs> and then we said, listen, did off air, do you still feel, even though you're, you're, you've, you've kind of run away with League 2, do you still feel you need to bring in a number of players to League One? And he was like, aye, aye, there's, there's still, we still plan to bring in a number of players to, if we want to do what we want to do. And they never done that over the summer. I was like, right, well, hmm. But they, I, I still don't think they have a squad that's going to challenge the top four, to be fair. Uh, but they'll be, they'll be well out of trouble. Will they give them Fairman bother? 
they probably could because the Fernandes mm. seem quite they seem quite stodgy. Yeah, I, I do, effective I do think, but stodgy. And I think as well as a guy that we spoke about earlier, I get when we we referred to the match against Falker, but Alfie Aguiman, I'm delighted to see him getting in with the goals. When, when he was playing last season, I think he was brought into the club as a, a bit of a wild card. He'd previously been at BSC Glasgow, one of a few players that Stephen Swift didn't sign uh, when he when he took over as as, as Stenhouse Moore manager that summer. And and Aguiman, when he went in at Kelty, and well, he's he's just a, he's just there to make up the numbers because you know who the front three at Kelty is going to be. It's going to be Higginbotham, Cardle, and Nathan yep. Austin leading the line. And I think Aguiman was there really, you know, just as a come off the bench, uh, like try and make some sort of impact. But you see, he is he's now stands like the best of the bunch. Yeah, he's, he's playing really well. I, I do think that he's the he's raw. I think he's quite an instinctive player. He could have had a hat trick against Falkirk. You saw there was a chance, a really good chance when he's put in on goal. And I think it's that um, he's, he's. I think he's better when he doesn't need to think about things, yeah. you know. And I think that when he was given the time and space, you think, well, this is going to be quite an easy save for Hogarth to make, and it turned out it was it was right at him. But the other two, when you see when it's just the balls played into him and he needs to get the shot away, he was very effective for the, in the in the, the first couple of minutes against him. But nevertheless, I'm pleased to see him doing well, and I think that he has he's certainly got all the the physical attributes. A big big lump of boy, and he is he's quite quick off the mark. So it's good to see him uh, getting a game in. I think that's one Stephen Swift will be kicking himself that he didn't bring him to the bring him to the the, the Warriors. But, but, but thank goodness he brought in everybody else other than him. Yes, aye. Uh, and of those uh, six players that he signed directly from BSC Glasgow, only one of them is uh, still there. <laughs> one of them retired immediately at the end of the season. <laughs> Never to be seen again. He was he was he was well, nothing else he can really say about that. Now, before we move on to the Scottish Cup, there's a couple of things that happened earlier in this week involving League One sides. And the first was on... In fact, we'll start, we'll start with this one first because this has been Tuesday night. We'll do this in chronological order. On Tuesday night, Clyde have... I think they've put Danny Lennon on gardening leave. It's not quite clear from the very short statement they put on their website, but on Tuesday night, they announced uh, that Danny Lennon has been, played, has been placed on paid authorised absence. Assistant manager Alan Moore will take charge of the squad for training and match days on an interim basis. Uh, this is after Clyde have um, Clyde have been dreadful. There's no other way to describe Clyde have been dreadful in recent weeks. They had made a really good start to the season, collecting seven points from the first three matches, but they've been in free fall since then, losing nine in a row. And I think Lennon, he had agreed a new two-year contract back at the tail end of last season, which would run until 2024. Not sure what the situation is there, uh, but I would. I'm, I'm imagining. I'm putting imagination cap on that. Clyde don't necessarily have the funds to to move him on. It's obviously not working out. The players don't seem to be reacting to what he's what he's telling them to do, and it's just a wee change. But Clyde can't necessarily afford to make that change. So Alan Moore, obviously a very experienced manager with Stirling Albion, um, managed Greenock Morton as well. Uh, managed uh, our growth, in fact, for a wee bit and nearly got them. In fact, weirdly, he oversaw one of the, the, the worst collapses in Scottish football, our growth, since the Greenock Morton collapse in 2003-04. They were absolutely flying high at the top of League Two. Uh, and then it came to about Christmas time and their form completely disappeared off the face of the earth, if you remember that. Well, well that, that bodes well for Clyde. Or Clyde are really bad as house. Maybe we'll go the opposite way. They'll they'll start they'll start moting up the table. But I mean, we're, we're kind of joking there. What's your what's your thoughts on the situation at Clyde? I I never know what to make of Daniel Lennon. I I think he's obviously like well respected at Clyde, and obviously he got them promoted. And I suspect he probably is a good manager. I'm not entirely sure he's 
he's any good at recruitment? No. Or is it that just Clyde have a terrible budget and he's he's recruiting with the budget that he has? I suppose we'll find out. I mean, he's, he's, he's brought players into Clyde that, in my opinion, aren't good enough for League One. Well, the funny, the funny if I were to get a then fair enough. Like one of the guys that he, that he brought in, we're referring back to the guys that Stenhouse Muir brought from BSC Glasgow, one of those guys was Ross Lyon. Ross Lyon lost his place in the Stenhouse Muir side and effectively became just like a, a sub who would come on now and again. He played right back and left back. Left Stenhouse Muir in, in the summer because he couldn't guarantee him first team football. And he signs for Clyde, the team that he'd been a bit part player for previously. He wasn't good enough for League One a couple of years ago. And again, judging by what I've seen on Pie and Bovril, the, the supporters don't think he's quite good enough for, for League One football now. And and that, that was a sort of signing there that, that where are Clyde signing him because they, they genuinely believe he's good enough to play at that level, or is it because he falls he's he's a player that the need that falls within a very um tight budget, as it were. <sighs> I mean, the fact that the board have decided that, that Danny Lennon should go would suggest that they think that the the budget that they've given him or the squad that they have should be doing, or either Danny Lennon should be doing more with the budget that he has, or that the squad that they have should be should be doing more. I, 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 I I'm, I'm, my opinion is that that Clyde might get worse when Danny Lennon goes. But that isn't necessarily a reason to keep them, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, because I, it's not working. Because it's not, it's not working at the moment. Essentially, Clyde have been propped up by David Goodwillie for mm-hmm. for years. David Goodwillie, obviously. I mean, let's not go into that again. But that presumably freed up a wee bit more of a budget for Clyde, and Danny Lennon hasn't doesn't appear to have made the most of that. And as much as they may be saved by Peter Head in terms of finishing tenth, I can't see anybody else finishing ninth. And I, I think the, the quality of that squad is so poor, I'm I'm not sure it matters who else comes in. I would be very surprised if they stay at the, the, the bottom two. Yeah, I'm kind of taking a look through the 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 Clyde squad at the moment from their, their last match. It was a, a 2-1 defeat at home to, to Queen of the South. And from what I haven't I'm read stuff in Pine Ball, we're like, and it's, I'm sorry to see, but the fans are, are quite unanimous in the fact that Peter Grant looks past his best yeah. which is strange because he was quite good at Queen's Park last season and yeah. so to see him hit the, hit the decline is quite badly is that is, 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 is it nine losses was it, was it nine losses in a row that nine losses in a row I mean that's, I mean, that's, that's let's be honest that's, 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 that's sackable form that's I, I think as well I, Daniel Lennon has been excellent for Clyde and I think that fans would say that the first three years at the club when he took them he stabilised them replacing Jim Chapman almost took them into the playoffs. The next season won the playoffs and the following season kept them in, in League One. I think fans will be eternally grateful for that. And they had a, they had a really, really good team of players. The, the team that, that won promotion, that was the midfield of uh, Chris McStay, Ray Grant, and of course yep. you, had, you had Goodwill, obviously a, an absolute villain, but certainly in, in footballing terms, yeah. a, a superstar striker for... For, for that level and, and I think that Clyde, Clyde fans will be eternally grateful for it but to quote Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight you, <laughs> you, you, you die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain and unfortunately in Lennon's case I think that might be true and it's a shame because yeah, we've met him he's he's, he's um He's got a nice. He's got a nice way about him. You know, yes. he's, he's he's he seems very affable, very very, very personable. Um, aye. So just just it's like just it's just not working anymore. 
No, no, really no time to go. That's uh, that, that seemed like a sensible move. Mm. The following night, this is this is our this is our second piece of business uh, in, in League One. It was um, FC Edinburgh. Well, the formerly the artist formerly was FC Edinburgh put a statement out on their website updating supporters on a, a number of issues that have been facing the club over the the past couple of months since he won promotion from uh, the League Two playoffs. Um, the club have announced they are changing their name. It's the the third name change in five months. They have gone from Edinburgh City to FC Edinburgh. That was changed with no fan consultation. And now they are known as just Edinburgh. That's they've spoken to SPFL and they are just known as Edinburgh. Perhaps most impressive of all, they have reduced ticket prices. The ticket prices this season started at £18 a match. They have been reduced to £12 a match. Just as the board said, this was to help ease the cost of living crisis. And it's perhaps worth pointing out that the tickets in League Two last season were £14 a game. I had to check. I'd bought tickets to go and see um, the, the games at Ainsley Park. I checked my bank balance from a couple of months ago. Uh, £14 it was to get, to get into Ainsley Park. So that's quite impressive, the fact that they've gone up a division, but the ticket prices have come down even further. And, and perhaps the one that, that's going to take the, the longest time to factor in is that there's a lot of work that's going underway to try and improve the experience at Meadowbank. Um, they're, they're looking, they, they, the club have acknowledged that the, when supporters have been behind the goals, we saw this in the games where Dunfermline Athletic and Falkirk both visited uh, Middlebank Stadium, that it was just unacceptable. You couldn't see what was going on there. But what is going on to, to try and re- replace that? What, Sean, what are your thoughts on that statement and what's going on uh, in the north of it? Are they in the north? Whatever it is in Edinburgh. I'm not trying to think about my geography. I mean, I- I think ultimately you need to say fair play. They've kind of they've kind of got to the right decision eventually, mm-hmm. and I'd imagine there's a number of Edinburgh fans that are that are happy at, at the fact that they've reached this decision in terms of. I'm still not entirely sure about the name change. They've brought the prices down. They've 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 acknowledged that the the stadium isn't good enough. Uh, so it's, listen, it, it's all good, I suppose. What I would give a, a caveat with is seems to have taken a long time to reach this point yeah so so if I let's say let's say I've got on a busy train at Waverley and I'm standing and then we get to Haymarket and somebody comes on with a suitcase and they accidentally put the suitcase on my foot and I say to them your suitcase is on my foot and they don't move it until we get to Bunt Island like I'm not entirely sure they, they warrant me saying, "Oh, thank you very much," <laughs> but that but that feels like a situation that we're in. Like it's mm-hmm. like like they've been being told this since like June, July, yeah. like July, mm-hmm. roughly June, July. Is we're, we're now almost in November, and until we've reached this point, and I know, I know things, I know things. We, we kind of just board football boards kind of just fix things within within five minutes. However, tell that to SPFL Media Watch. <laughs> So one of my least favourite Twitter accounts just wanted to get in there just they come just complaining just complaining all the time. Sorry, Sean. Then you go. It, it just feels like we've taken too long to get to this point, and they've, they've probably even though they've, they've turned things around eventually, they've still probably turned people off and turned people off enough. I'm still not entirely sure that they'll come back, and they have a small fan base. And we've said before, this is a club who are in the park. This. This is as good as I've ever done. Yeah, been excellent. Like somehow season. managed to. This is a board who's had the best football team they've ever had, but they've turned fans away. And yes, they've 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 they've, uh, they've, they've attempted to turn it around, and I hope it works. I, I really do. Uh, but it's I, I, 
it's not too little too late because this is what the Edinburgh fans deserved. So it's it it's enough, but it's still too late, if that makes sense. I I I I'd agree to some extent. I agree to some extent. I think that the, the, the name change in the in the summer was it was a shambles. There's no other way to say that. I think that was really poorly done without without fan consultation and to announce it on was it a Facebook Live video when they were, yep. were talking to to their chairman about uh, upcoming things for the for the season ahead. So that that wasn't acceptable. Chucking the high ticket prices, which were I mean eighteen pounds is a lot of money to go from fourteen to eighteen pounds is, is a lot of money, and then chucking Meadowbank as well. Three really big factors, and, and having been to Meadowbank, it's not a great place to watch football. I mean, you've seen, as we mentioned there, we've seen the, the pictures from when Dunfermline and Falkirk when they were having sat there in the uh, in the, the, the ground itself. It's not fantastic. However, they are looking to, to rectify that. They did mention it like the. We've seen the the fence that runs along the the side of the pitch. That's too high. That that's going to come down a bit. And and from what I heard from people in, involved, it's that it's it's not for the want of trying. It's been really really difficult to try and and, and work with like the the council and and all that and trying to bring all these factors together. I can appreciate that's that's very difficult and that is going to take a, a long time to bring Meadowbank up to the standard. I don't know if it's going to be this season. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be like that um, into the start of like January 2023. However, it's I, I think it's a good thing that they have listened to the supporters. I think it's you've made mistakes, but at least they've 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 gone some way to to, to rectifying that. And I think that it's a perhaps a lesson for for clubs, all small clubs that you you have to listen to your supporters. And, and what they want, if you are going to make big changes, you have to consult on them because you can see how, the, how negative the, the react, the react, people reacted to it back in June. But the, the reaction to what they have done on Wednesday night has been uniformly positive uh, amongst the, 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 the Edinburgh support. I, I totally, and I know that there is Edinburgh fans that, based on what's happened this season, they were like, right, well, I'll no be back or I won't be back for a long time. And then hopefully they will reconsider based on the statement this week because you're right it's coming from the it's coming from the the, the right place and they're acknowledging the mistakes that they've made and it may have taken them a long time to get there but regardless hopefully they can they can move forward for here yeah, definitely. And, and the chairman, Jim Brown, he contacted me privately on Instagram last night to, to pass on the news. And I think you've got to say fair play to listening to the concerns of your supporters. And it takes a big man to admit that they got things badly wrong. But in terms of the name change and the ticket prices, uh, he's done the right thing by, by changing it and listening to them. So good luck to Jim and good luck to everyone associated with the club going forward. I've, I've always thought Edinburgh this season, they should enjoy the, the good times while they're here because there'll be other teams that are going to take up the top four. Based on what we've seen so far, that doesn't appear to be the case. And they still, you know, they, they bounce straight back from that defeat at Dunfermline Athletic by beating Airdrie 3-1. Um, do you think they can they, they can hang in there? I There's a lot to be said about flat track bullies. And maybe Edinburgh can 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 do that. But we're now at the stage where I'd be surprised if they maybe weren't in the top four. Like Airdrie, Airdrie probably aren't going to be there. Kelty, I'm not entirely sure, are going to be there. So why there might be there might be spots available there, and and, and why could Edinburgh not not take one of those spots up? They're away at Peterhead at the weekend. You'd fancy them to win that, but then yes, difficult games coming up. They're at home to Queens and then away at Falkirk. <clears> and I suppose those Falkirk and Queens are, are teams that have, have comfortably beaten Queens actually back to back. Stuck eight goals past them across two games, like within a couple of days of each other. So I suppose if you can um, if, if you can win those uh, those two games, then that's a, you've got a good chance 
of, of finishing the top four. As you say, the division, quite difficult. It's very similar to the championship. Very di- difficult to try and uh, pin down who's, you know, who, who the runners and riders are. I think we can see, we're, we're beginning to see, at least we know who's going to finish bottom two in, the, in, in, those, uh, in that division. It, it, it's interesting. I, I I heard from an associate that uh, a football manager who was saying that when it comes to John McGlynn, any side managed by John McGlynn, once you get through two thirds or three quarters of the season, you know exactly how he's going to play, and you know how to counter it. And I, I was trying to think back about Wraith Rovers seasons under McGlynn, and other than one, which is where the season after they finished second, where they were like really bad for the first three quarters of the season. But then Brian Graham came back after a hernia operation and could not stop scoring. There's a lot to be said about that. I'd, so I, I do wonder if uh I do wonder if managers kind of suss out John McGlynn after after three quarters of a season. So I'd, I'd be interested to see how Falkirk do they've faltered a wee bit recently. Will teams suss Falkirk out when it gets to like the last nine games of the season? I'll see you in March. Oh, we'll do podcasts before that, obviously. I'm seeing you at the weekend. Um, but I'll see you Wednesday. I'm sorry. I'll see you Monday. I'm seeing you Sunday. I'm seeing you Monday. I'm seeing you Wednesday. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you all the time. I see you literally all week. Aye, pretty much. Aye. Um, but it's good, though, isn't it? We all, we all, we all have a laugh. I don't always have a, complaining about aye, that. We always have, we'll have a laugh, honestly. When Sean and I get together... Um, well, you know, um, let's shall we talk about the Scottish Cup second round? We probably should. No, uh, so much to talk about in this, but we're really going to focus on a, a, a cup upset. I think it's fair to say all 10 League Two teams were involved in Scottish Cup second round action, and it was a, a mixed bag because you had Stenhouse Muir, Elgin City, Albion Rovers, Dumbarton, Forth Athletic, and Stirling Albion. They all progressed to the third round. However, East Fife, Annan Athletic, Stranraer and Bonnie Rig Rose Athletic were all knocked out. East Fife were, were beaten by, by Stenhouse Muir, a team who they've lost to already this season. It was a, a narrow 2-1 defeat at Oakville, so no real shame in that. They actually played quite well in that game. But the latter three teams, Annan, Stranraer and Bonnie Rig, were all exited to non-league opposition. And if you want to hear myself and Sean talk about the tie of the round, the Pollock 4 and Athletic 3, please tune into tomorrow night's episode of A View From Terrace. But in the meantime, Sean, we'll talk about the Rosie Posey going out to Socky Juniors. The East of Scotland Premier Division side beat the Rose 3-2 at Beechwood Park. Three first-half goals effectively winning the match. Socky will progress to a third-round clash with the Lithgow Rose at Prestonfield. Excuse me, that will be an absolutely cracking time. It'll be great to see uh, an East of Scotland league yep. side going yep. into the, the fourth round. Bonnie Rigg, however, and this is a team we're going to concentrate on. Bonnie Rigg have just recorded one win from their last seven games and they are really really in a bit of free fall just now thoughts on this game Sean these these might have been some of my favourite highlights that I watched over the weekend so so I, I think I'm the same as you and that we try and watch as many highlights packages as possible these might have been my my, my favourite not because well I said to be fair there were some good goals uh, in the game uh, but it was because of the guy who was clearly sat quite close to the camera who whose blood pressure is really high. He's really high. Every single aspect of this game, and although the only seen like four or five minutes, every single aspect of this game, he was screaming his lungs out at 
Oh, you know something actually I forgot to mention in my notes. I'm sorry to jump back to the Montrose Dunfermline game. See that the goal Montrose play. I listen, if you are associated with Montrose Football Club and you listen to this podcast, please do away with that because it sounds it sounds horrendous. They've Uh, done it for years. Have they done it for years? No, that's not new. Oh, I've done it for years. It's really bad, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. I I've said I've said this before. I've been on the end of a 3-2 defeat, a late 3-2 defeat in Montrose. Uh, I think it was Ian Campbell scored a late winner and just sitting there dejected while the South African-style goal that goes on for hours. South African? Do you know in South American? Uh, no, 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 they have those celebrations. No, no, it's uh, South American. Aye, Sorry. Aye, you're, you're thinking of Vuvuzelas, that's what you're thinking of. <laughs> You, you, but you, no, it's, it's a you know something. It's a horrible thinking, way to lose a game of football. Aye, trying you, having to listen to that noise. What's uh, what's worse, losing a game of football three two, or being locked up in Robben Island for twenty years, like Nelson Madiba Mandela was the the perhaps the world's most famous South African. Well, well presumably the latter. Aye, exactly. Uh, so so maybe think about that. I tell you, that's <laughs> Next that's, that's you... me putting my place. <laughs> so never mentioned right. it. That's it. Maybe that's it. Anytime you, you're a bit uh, upset about some something's not going your way, you're a bit fed just up about going to jail. Just think uh, at least well at least Nelson Mandel had it worse than this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that I found quite funny is I think it's it's a thing Sean. What did Nelson called... Mandela do? Nothing is in jail. <laughs> It's a thing, Sean, called foreshadowing. Now, yes. I watched the Bonnie Riggs. Uh, Rose actually thinks it's a very good highlights package, but the commentator says, Bonnie Riggs are no strangers to a Scottish Cup upset, is how the, the commentary begins. And you think, oh, baby, you, you, don't, you don't have a clue what's, uh, what's going to go on. And I think, Sean, my main takeaway from, from this game was that Bonnie Riggs are absolutely terrible at defending set pieces. Uh, yes, that was one of my takeaways. I also had a second takeaway that sometimes you'll see a, a team in the SPFL and they might have one player who literally looks out of shape, as into the naked eye looks out of shape. I think Bonerick had about three or four. Like genuinely, three or four. That That's really unusual. And I'm not entirely sure you'll get away with that over the course of your season. No, um, I I I agree with you there. I think that there is a uh, people. I've, I've said this in the past. People, when uh when there's a Scottish Cup upset, for instance, and I think back. I'm sure I've said this in the podcast in the past, but when I think back to when Pennycook Athletic beat Stenhouse Muir three 0 which is the worst. That that's that's, that's rock bottom as supporting Stenhouse Muir. That's the biggest embarrassment I've had there. But standing next to the home supporters where Stensby are getting played off the park and they're saying, there's no difference between the SPFL and the East of Scotland. And it's like, well, well there, there is. There's a massive there difference. Is. If you were to take that Pennycook side and put them in, in League League Two, they would finish bottom. I have no doubt about that. It's just one of those days. It's one of those, we've all seen them as football fans, but your team's massively fancied to go in and do it. But just everything goes right for the other team and nothing goes right for your team and, and you're, you're you're embarrassed. And that's exactly what happened to Stenhouse Muir. However, I, none of those Pennycook players like particularly like, like stood out or or, or impressed me. And, and I, I can't think if any of them actually gone on to, 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 to do anything themselves. I think that's the same what, what Bonnerig had in their favour when they won promotion from the Lowland League is a fantastic team spirit, like a real winning mentality, a phenomenal, like, like guys who... Well, certainly you give the impression they all get on very well with, with one another. They've been together for a long time. However, that only takes you so far, though. That only takes you so that only takes you so far. And there is a there is a step up in, in quality from the Lowland League to the to the SPFL. And we're seeing it. So when you can get away with perhaps being a bit a bit chunky and perhaps not looking your best or looking after yourself, 
you might get away with that one level down, but you think in the like even I'm going to think of like Albion Rovers, for instance, who like are the worst side, they're, they're the bottom of the bottom of league two. There's not a single player in that team who isn't like built like that and put my pinky up there, just like all like really, really like wiry, muscly, fit mm-hmm. boys. Cause you have to be the very, very worst that you if you're going to be anything, if you don't have the quality, you have to be fit enough. Yeah. And I don't think that that that, that Bonnie Rig have that. You're right in terms of what you see. You can you look through other teams in the division. And there's no no team that got players that stick out quite as much as Boring. And I don't want to sound like I'm body shaming or, or anything like that. I really want to make that clear. It's yeah. just that it's just like fitness can be an intangible thing mm-hmm. because like guys, guys can look fit, but you can just tell that, that there's players in that team that, that aren't quite uh, aren't yeah. quite up to it. And, and and I think concerningly, like Soki, bear in mind that an East of Scotland team who are seventh, I think, in the ah, East of Scotland League. I mean, they're they're doing they're doing okay, but no better than that. They should probably have won by more than, than three goals to two. I mean, oh. they had they appeared to have a, a perfectly good goal disallowed. Where oh, man, I was going to ask about that. Mark, Bonnie... Mark Weir, Mark Weir seemed to come for it, catch it, either bump into nobody or potentially skiff his own player, drop the ball. It was then bundled home, and the referee. Decided, I mean, there, there was nothing wrong with it. I found that strange that 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 was in the Scottish Cup highlights, but it wasn't in the 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 the, the Bonnery highlights package. All right. I watched the, the Scottish Cup highlights package first, uh, and then prior to prior to us recording this, I had a quick watch back of Bonnie Riggs highlights. And when I because I, I knew when the goals were coming in, because I knew that that Saki go two up, Kieran McGacky pulls one back for the rose, but then Bonnie Riggs score, sorry, Saki score immediately, immediately. Go three, to go three up in an interval. So when I saw the 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 goals coming, I saw like Mark Weir coming for the ball, dropping it, and then getting hit into the net. But then when I saw them, them score another goal from ahead, I thought, hang on a second, that's, um, that, 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 this is all wrong here. It's supposed to go Socky 2, then, then Bonnering 1, and then Socky get a third one. So but there's, 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 they scored three goals here. And I was having to watch it back to see that that goal had been uh, had been uh, disallowed. And having seen Mark Weir, having seen him up close when when um, when Senhams Muir beat Bonnie Rig four two, Mark Weir's got his qualities. He's he's quite a, he can be a decent shot stopper. You saw that at points in that in that game he pulled it, off. No, no, of... I, I mean he, he had maybe two or three really good stops. You're right mm-hmm. in, in that game, but yes, that I mean that was that was a goal. My goodness, aye. And I think one of the problems is he isn't particularly good at coming off his line. When you saw that there, like coming for a cross and then dropping it, but I think that a lot of their Against the Warriors, there was a back pass. Matty Yates was interviewed. He scored. He scored uh, two goals in that game. He was interviewed after the match by Warriors TV, and he said that like because you know when when a player chases down a back pass, it's just they're just doing it out of What's courtesy almost. Yeah. I just just out of courtesy. But he had said he'd seen Mark Weir take a touch and thought he was dodgy. And this was like five minutes into the game, and so that if he was to chase him down something might come off and sure enough the ball gets played back to where he takes a really really bad touch then Leathers is clearance off uh, Yates and it goes into the net and the second goal scored by Ewan O'Reilly it was a, a corner that, that wasn't dealt with and I saw that I watched the highlights when they were beaten 4-1 by East Fife you think East Fife scored at least one from uh, it might have been two actually but it's at least one from, from, from a set piece and I like I mean, somebody might need to correct me here but my, my perception is that like the further down you go I mean, obviously, set pieces are so important, but even the further down you go, when there's perhaps not that much between teams, like organized, being organised in set pieces and being able to deal with them is be so important. And the fact that, that Bonnie Ring just looks so askew when it comes to like balls being put into the box and cross balls, I, that's, a, that's a real worry for, for Robbie Horn. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what the, their ability is to, to to bring players in in January. I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know what their budget is, but I, I presume that at the start of the season that they would have, I, I certainly didn't agree they would be one of the favourites for the division. Far no. from it. But I thought they would have enough to stay away from from 10th. Like you've got Forfar that's near the bottom of the table. Albion Rovers are bottom, but aren't as bad a side like they aren't a, a terrible tenth place side, mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely convinced that Bonnie League won't get dragged in unless they can bring players in in, in January. Yeah, I I'd uh, I'd agree. Um, I I don't know how much scope there is for that. That's that's our thing. How easy it is to to move players on, and I think that's uh that'll be a big challenge for 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 Robbie Horn because I think that since he when he joined Bonnie Rig. I think the direction of travel has all been very positive and I think this is the first real difficulty that, that he's had in his career. How do you say to guys, how do, how do you move guys on? Maybe, perhaps he already knows. Maybe when he, when he offered these guys contracts, he, he, in the back of his mind, he was thinking, eh, some of these guys might not quite be, may not quite be good enough for the, for the level. Remember, I, remember, he brought remember he brought a Berwick fan in to, to talk to them in the dressing room. Maybe we could just bring a, a Berwick fan in to no, tell them. Let's say you've, that's Johnny Harvey you've got mixed up with. <laughs> so Johnny Harvey, Johnny Harvey replaced uh, did he replace Robbie Horn? Because Robbie Horn left midway through that season. I think it was. I uh, was. Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's right. You've got the, you've got the mixed up, Sean. Ah, well, that's embarrassing. One of the the what I did like though, I mean. Right at the very end of the match, it was uh, that Ross Balmer, the the socky fullback, there's a ball that gets clipped into him, and he tries to take the thing in his chest, but he takes thing in his chest without realizing there's a Zach Can, the young Bonnerig players, <laughs> immediately behind him, who just basically just dodges it over the goalkeeper. It's just a real shambles and set up a, a needlessly nervy finish. And uh, and the the guy with the the needlessly high blood pressure that uh, loses his mind at that point. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I think that that Bonnegger perhaps I having having seen all the teams now in in League Two, I've all watched them against Stenhouse Muir really, and and Stenhouse Muir are uh, the fourth place in the table, you know. So I suppose that 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 Stenhouse are a decent side and a, a perhaps a good uh, good judge of of what the other teams are. Bonnegger being the poorest, I, I I'd say I, I think that that Albion Rovers, for instance, are that they perhaps lack a a quality finisher. I think that's their problem. You can see that's been reflected in their goal tally. I mean, you, you don't even need to take a deep dive. Just look at the number of goals he scored, and you can see that that's been a problem. But but what they are, they, they they've got a, they're really really enthusiastic, really really hardworking, and Stennis Muir are playing them at Clifton Hill on Saturday. Uh, John Crichton and Nicky Jamieson, their two principal centre backs, are out missing. So <laughs> oh God, I don't know what's going to happen there. I think it's going to be absolute. Uh, I, I, it's one of those. This is like uh, it's not so much potential banana skin. It's like the Chiquita lady just came and lay in front of you. You know that's uh, that's that, that's the sort of. Uh, what I'm expecting from from this one, but um, I but Bonnie the put aside uh, that, that that I've seen, and I I find unless there are significant changes made, and I don't know how easy that is to do because there's slightly like we mentioned there's a lot of factors that I, I do think they'll they'll finish bottom of oh, the, really? the table. No, yeah, I, 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 I still think Albion Rovers will finish bottom. I don't know, man. I just I think that the the Rovers like. I know it's an easy thing to say, but you know, like where a team aren't winning games and there's all sort of narrow defeats and you can't expect, well, they just need to turn a corner and it can go one way where the narrow defeats become yep. larger defeats. Yep. I do think the Rovers are sort of on the cusp the, the other way, the other way around, where they're, where they're not too far away. 
I think, yeah, aye, that's, uh, that's a shoot. That's what I'm going for, that man. Can we look at the league table just now? Um, where are we? Is, so I mean, admittedly, losing to a mid-table East of Scotland team is, is, does not bode well for Bonnerick. I mean, the, the funny thing is, when you actually look at the league table, it's uh, Bonnerick are in sixth place. They're just four points from Stenhouse-Muir in, in fourth, and they're they're seven points ahead of the Rovers. And that, that's quite a, that's quite a, a that's quite a gap. I, I suppose though, like you called it when we did that the big podcast at the prior to the season starting, you said that enthusiasm and 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 the, the good feeling around the club will perhaps be enough to propel them through the first couple the of first games, and they may find and they may find find their level. I mean, they were excellent. Well, they had, they were top of the table. They had seven points yep. in the first three games. Yep. I mean, they beat they beat four for in the first day of the season. And feel rubbish to be fair. They were rubbish, yeah, but still, still, they, they, yeah. they still, they still pumped them. And then they beat East Fife, and then they, I'm not sure they got the point against. But that's a really good start to the season. It's just that now that uh, that that hasn't happened. And and if the, if they're going to try and turn the season around and put the socky defeat behind them, they're playing the worst possible team because they're away at Stirling Albion, who are absolutely <laughs> cruising through the division. They've won their their last five matches. They they uh, they beat Stenhouse Muir three one even game, but they 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 got the business done at the end with two late goals, and they they needed penalties to beat uh, Breakin City. Also, that was going to be a difficult game, but between them, yeah. so I think if if Bonnie, I can see. For instance, I can see Albion Rovers winning at uh, beating Stenhouse Muir. I can just see it. I, I hope it doesn't happen. I think hopefully Stenhouse have got the quality, but it's just one of those games you can see a, a bit of an upset. But I can see Albion Rovers beating Stenhouse Muir. Perhaps Bonnierig uh, losing it still in Albion. You know, Forfer are away at. Um, sorry, who are Forfer playing? Uh, Forfer are playing uh, Stranraer, who aren't in particularly good form. I think it they. They could begin to that that good start to the season might be the thing that separates them. You've, you've really fight. started to you've really started to uh, embrace this Bonnie Rig are in trouble scenario. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's early days. I, I, you know, it's going back to the point we we're talking about earlier, where you're looking for patterns and paradigms and so on. And when you're seeing a team that are continuously losing goals from from set pieces that are going to uh, an East of Scotland Premier Division side and, and Socky Juniors and being like upstaged by them. You know, they did have their chances, but then then Socky had their chances. Socky too. had their chances as well. They could have won by more. They could they could they, they could easily want one by more. So aye. I then it's I, I don't want to see it. I, I think what do I think? I think they might finish bottom, but then I also might think that they will they'll have a similar season to Edinburgh City. When they first joined the the SPFL, where they finished, what was it? They were sort of bottom feeders for a wee time, but sort of got their act together into the the sort of the the second third of the campaign, and then ended up finishing what was it like eighth or something like that. I, I can see the finishing eighth or ninth, but they'll probably be like nine points clear of tenth. But yeah, in in ways though, it's like I don't I I don't want to see like Bonnie Rig go down because I I'd be interested to see if they do stay up. Say for instance, they do finish eighth. What happens next? Because that's really exciting. That that I mean, I, you'd imagine what would happen is that they're probably like Robbie Horn and his team already looking at, at signings for for next season. Because that's just a natural thing. You, you're always, I think, I would imagine as a manager, you're always looking for constantly ways to evolve the team. You're also you're focusing on the here and now. You're going to be focusing on the still and Albion game and, and putting those bad run defeats behind you. But you're also looking to the future and thinking, right, if we we're going to need to upgrade in five or six positions. For instance, saying and who those players are, and you, you want them to stay in the SPFL and then try to evolve the team and then kick on. I I, I think that's that's really exciting, and, and I hope that's the case. But then I don't want to see Albion Rovers uh, go down. I don't want Forfar to go down. I don't want Albion Rovers to go down. Just, you know, just close the trap door. 
Oh man, it's, that, that's that's the difficult thing. But I also want to see Breakin City come up. That's the thing I want, I want to see Breakin come Just make back. Make them look too bigger. Oh, we're not talking about doing that. Like they're coming up like an SPFL three hit at one point, a, a league you know, three. So what they need to do is uh, the design leagues on my wishes uh, with the teams that I want to see. Who, if you were to pick a team, here's a question. We'll finish up, Sean. If you were to pick a team from the SPFL, you would want to see relegated, and it, like, like who would it be? And you can't even pick like Dunfermline, for instance. You got to pick like a smaller team who are realistically in, in a position of, of danger. Oh, so a smaller team that is realistically going to go down. Yeah, that's a horrible. Actually, no, don't answer that because that's a horrible thing to say. Right, that's, okay. That's a, that's a horrible thing to say. I'm imagining that. Um, I, I'm trying to a team that you would worry about, Clyde, maybe. If if they say they drop out of a uh, League One, uh, and, we were both we were both concerned about. Well, not concerned because ultimately neither of us care that much. But Dumbarton was was a team that we thought might be a shambles, but but they were okay. But there is Clyde Clyde. The, Clyde have a vibe about them that they are in big trouble for for a bit to come. That's not. I I, I think so. Yeah, it's, it could be. It could be. I think that's a a real a, a small budget that that were for a long time were were being bailed out by by David Goodwillie, and now that he's he's not been there, that's six months he's not been there, and at the start of the season, for three games aside, have been have been horrendous. Stranraer, Stranraer might be in bother. Sonar could be in bother. I thought they were all right. Again, since we beat them 3 1, conceded two goals, uh, scored two goals from, from, from set pieces, got scored after five minutes and scored two goals from, from corner kicks. I, th- I think they're, they're not as bad a team as I expected, but then I watched the highlights against Fraserburgh. And when <laughs> uh, their defender and, and goalkeeper can't talk to each other, despite the fact they're six feet away from one another, there's, there's questions that, that have to be asked. Um, that was one of my favourite goals. That was one of my favourite goals of the weekend. And talking about talking to each other, they're not allowed to commentate on the games anymore. And I saw that, yeah. A Sunra fan got in touch with ourselves on, on social media and, and said that Jamie Hamill's unhappy with the standard of the commentary. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, it's only what, what one fan's uh, told us. But if it is true, then that's a, that's a real shame um, because I... <laughs> I quite enjoy the sort of Stadler and Waldorf commentary of um, <laughs> of from from the guys at Stranra. So did that. You know, it's it's always. I mean, like having got told like doing Warriors TV at the about a year ago. In fact, doing Warriors TV, there was a game where we'd been quite. It's difficult because you're fans. You know, you're fans and you're passionate. And you want to see the team do well. And if they aren't doing well, it's very easy to kind of get upset by. It, even though you're trying to maintain a veneer of professionals, it's very easy to get upset when the team aren't doing well. But after the matches, the players were given the full games to watch back with my, my commentator and Cammy McIntyre, who was the the lead commentator. I was a color commentator. He was a lead commentator, and we were we were told. Prior to after, prior to one of the games, we were told, "Listen, you need to you need to be more upbeat. Don't be critical of the players. That they apparently they're getting DVDs of the games back. They're they're getting allowed to download the games. They're not happy with some of the commentary." And that was before the game where we lost four one at home to Kelty Hearts. <laughs> and do you, do you know what I'm talking about? The Ryan Marshall's goal when he when Ralan come out and save with his hands, he kicked the ball off uh, Jimmy Barjonas and it went into the net. And how, Cam- how were you? How how did you manage to be upbeat about it? Cammy and I just looked at each other in silence. So we could do it. It's like that Jose Mourinho thing if I speak. <laughs> it was just we just looked in silence, in silence and Cammy just was like, Well, what, what can you say? And that's it. I think that's how we uh, how, how we how we commentated on that goal. <laughs> like, what can you say? 
I'll need to dig that out, actually. I think that, that'd be quite good uh, to watch. But I can remember, <laughs> just, I don't want to, to dominate too much by talking about Craig's funny stories from doing Warriors TV commentary. There was a game we played against Queen's Park. This is this is not long after Queen's Park had gone full-time and they were absolutely smashing their way through the division. Stenhouse, we were playing them at Oakville View. They were 2-0 down and Peter Grant was red-carded. This was early. This was right at the start of the, the second half. Peter Grant was red-carded for a, like, effectively a last-man challenge. You, you know, he, he, uh, he hoiked someone down uh, as they were making their way in and goal. So, obviously, Cammy and I are quite excited, thinking, oh, brilliant. Like, we, we've got a free kick right in the edge of the area. It goes in. Queen's Park, it's, it's, there's one goal in it. Queen's Park have got to play the entire second half with 10 men that they might be hanging on. What happened was Stenis Muir took the free kick and hit off the wall. Queen's Park went right on the park and scored to make it 3-0. And I watched the highlights back and it's just me laughing. As soon as the ball hits the back of it, I just burst out laughing because I didn't know how to how to react to that. You know, sometimes as a fan, you should be getting like annoyed by things like that. But it was just funny because there's me and Cammy saying that, oh, brilliant, going to be 2-1 soon, hold the game, play, forget the three points, boom, up the end of the park, scoring. Absolutely horror show. I think you should probably just leave it at that. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's I, think, I think we've, I'm not sure how long we've been speaking for, but I hope it's been an informative and interesting podcast. Remember, please subscribe to the Terrace Patreon account because there are loads of podcasts up there. A lot of them very, very interesting. And I, I like I mentioned earlier, I was listening to them in the, the gym. And like, if you want to try and build a body like mine, listen to the Terrace Patreon account. <laughs> I mean, they're looking well. I don't know. Why I'm, I am a bit gelatinous. I, 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 admit. I saw you with your, I saw you with your top off on uh, Wednesday. I, I thought you were looking okay. Ah, right, cheers, cheers. No, better than okay. Uh, decent, decent. I. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's good muscle, but just the muscles are covered in a, a, a gelatinous um, <laughs> a substance. Uh, ladies, if you want, if you are interested, uh, DM me. There's a DM you can send. Uh, come back to uh, Sean. Sean being told to fuck off by a, a Dundee <laughs> fan. Please get in touch. Um, but no, no. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon and keep on listening to the podcast. There is, there's there's loads and loads and loads of content that myself, Sean, and the rest of the team are, are uh, continuing to do. And I, I think that's it, Sean. Um, that's you it. and I are seeing each other on Sunday. Sunday yes, evening. It's, um, we're pleased. We're very pleased to say that a view from the terrace, the show that Sean and I star in, has been nominated for best sports program at the radio and television. RTS Scotland Radio Television Society. Thanks, so. anyway, The RTS Scotland Awards is Sunday at the old Foot Market in Glasgow. So we'll, we'll be going to that, uh, and I can't wait because it'll be good to get to hang out with everyone. And hopefully, fingers crossed, pick up the gong. Probably not, but you never know. Uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah, that that documentary about Craig Brown, Owen. It's Craig Brown, though, isn't it? You, you're not you're not going to tell me that, that national you sweetheart. Ah, you you tell me you begrudge Craig Brown winning an award. Fucking right, I will. And on that bombshell. Um, goodbye, Sean. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Take care and enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.